good to see you all out tonight. The weather conditions are not the best, but you came anyway, and I appreciate you being here. It encourages me. Thank you for the prayer on my behalf as well. I hope that what we talk about will be helpful. It's not going to be a subject that you haven't heard many times in your life, but I think it's always good to be reminded. Just like that song said, remind me, dear Lord. So I'm going to start out tonight talking about a member of our congregation. And I have his permission to do this, so I'm not just uh, pulling somebody's name out of the hat and talking about them. Most of you know Brian Pruitt. Um, if you don't know Brian, and this is just my... Carrie McCormick's opinion, Brian has a very, very dry sense of humor, in my opinion. And you'll see what I'm talking about in a minute. It's probably been a year ago, maybe been a little bit longer. Um, Brian came into the bank where I work. And just a little bit about Brian, you know, he works in a machine shop. He handles heavy pipe iron, metal, I don't know what all they do, but it can be a dangerous job. His toes can get smashed, his hands can get cut. He can get um, stuff in his eyes, shavings in his eyes. All these things, they're somewhat dangerous. I know he's got equipment for all that and goggles and all that, but still, sometimes he can get hurt on the job. So our world will refer to that as a blue-collar job. I, on the other hand, work in a bank. I sit in a desk. Our desk, most of the time, um, don't get a lot of physical activity. And I don't have to worry about my toes getting smashed, my hands getting cut up, shavings in my eyes. And so my job is sometimes referred to as a white-collar job. Two kinds of jobs. So here's the story. Brian came in the bank one day. He was only customer. It was early in the morning. He was only customer in the bank. There wasn't any music playing in the background. It was very quiet in the bank building, and you could hear conversation very well. He walked in. I saw him. I waved. I said, hi, Brian. He said, hi, back. And he went up to the teller line to do his transactions. And then... He completed those, and he came, started to exit the building, but before he got out, I hollered at him. I said, hey, Brian, thank you, and be careful today. And he stopped, and he turned around, and he walked towards my office, and again, everybody could hear this, my coworkers, and he said, well, thank you, Carrie, and you be careful today, too, and don't get a paper cut. <laughs> Everybody enjoyed that. My coworkers really thought that was funny. I did too. A paper cut. A paper cut is a small, insignificant thing unless it happens to you. If I were to have a paper cut and I held my thumb up right here and it was on my thumb, you couldn't see it. No big deal. Except... A paper cut doesn't hurt just when you get one. It hurts for several days because you get 
all kinds of stuff in it. You know, if you're eating a hamburger or something, you put salt on it, you get salt in it, salt in the wound, so to speak. Whatever, for several days it hurts. It may be small, but it hurts. It may seem in, insignificant, but it hurts. Our title of our lesson is, What Are You Saying? Words are like the paper cut sometimes, the small words. The words that you think, it's no big deal. I was just joking. Whatever it may be, they hurt. And they don't hurt just for the moment, but sometimes they hurt for several days, if not years. When I was a kid playing out on the playground, you know, we'd sometimes somebody gang up on some one of the other kids and talk about them or make fun of them or whatever. And the saying was, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The most untruthful statement that's ever been made. Words hurt. Words hurt. And we as Christians need to understand how we need to conduct ourselves and how we need to think before we say things because it can hurt people. The tongue definition that I looked up is this. Manner or quality of utterance with respect to tone or sound, sense of what is expressed, and here's the kicker of it, or the intention of the speaker. Whatever you say is probably what you intended to say. You know, we hear, I didn't really mean to say that. Maybe you wished you hadn't said it, but it could have been in your heart and it came out, didn't it? In James chapter 3, starting with verse 2, it reads like this. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven on fierce, uh, fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small hem, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed and hath been tamed by mankind, of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therefore we bless God even the Father, and wherewith and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. That the fountain send forth at the same time, at the same place, sweet water and bitter. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs, or uh, so can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. 
Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. We're not perfect, are we? I'm certainly not perfect. None of us are perfect. And we do mess up at times. We do say things that we shouldn't say. Or maybe we don't say something we should say. But regardless of either case, God knows this. He knows that, but he's given us scripture right here to help us to know what to say and what not to say. Talking about this ship here in this verse, you know, uh, another word for the controlling the ship would be a rudder. Something so small, and this ship is so huge, and yet that small device can turn it right, left. It can back up. It can go in circles, whatever. It's a very powerful thing, just as our tongue can be as well. Some people have praised God in church, in the church building, and then gone out and used foul language once they were outside. Now, I'm not saying, certainly not saying that a church building is a sacred place. It's a building. We all know that. But what I'm talking about is when we all meet together, we all worship together, we commune together, we sing, pray, and so forth. We don't need to be one person here and another person out in the world. In Galatians 5, and 23, the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, Faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. In the New King James Version, the word meekness is, is translated as gentleness. And the word temperance is translated as self-control. And those are words we use more often than we do the others in our language today. We need to be gentle with what we say and we need to stay self-controlled. Many times we, 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 uh, what we say comes out because of what is, what's on our heart. I always think about when my son was playing basketball. So he's playing. Some of you are, are officials so you can relate to people that yell at you and scream at you. I'd start out sometimes... And I'd be calm as a cucumber, so to speak. But then you're around this group of people, and this, they're around you, you know, and they just start yelling and screaming and saying all kinds of... And before you know it, I'm in the middle of it. I'm just saying the same thing they're doing. What kind of example is that? It's not a good one. It could be a good one, but if you know, you that officiate, not many people say, that was a great call. They usually say, in basketball, they say, why don't you call it both ways, you know? When they're really doing the best that they can, and I can't really see anyway because I'm up in the stands. I'm not down there on the court. But what I'm saying is when we're out in the world, we're around all these people, and we have to be careful that we don't act like they do. We're no better than they are. 
I'm not saying that. But we have to set examples. It's important that we as Christians set examples. Because you know, if we don't set good examples, the first thing that comes out of someone's mouth is, well, they act this way, but then they act this other way when they're out in public. And, you know, they go down there to that Northwest Church of Christ, you know, that's where they go. We want a good name. And I think all of you are great people, but we just got to keep this in mind and be reminded that we can't fall into the trap. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, and he said, he was upset with them. And he said, oh, generation of vipers. I mean, he said, you're just a bunch of snakes. He said, can, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So, not my definition, but out of the Bible, it says, if your heart's not right, that's probably what's going to come out. Something that's not so good. Over in Matthew chapter 15... In verse 8. We're starting in verse 8. It, it reads like this. this. This people, Jesus talking. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. And honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath, hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. I don't want to fall in a ditch. It's hard to get out if you fall into a ditch. We don't need to be there. Um... We need good things to come out of our mouth. We need to be different. We don't need to be like the world. We need to be different. And that's how we communicate is we talk to people. And it's so important. It's up to us to use our tongues for the good or for the evil. There's no gray area. It's either good or bad. Whatever you say, it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. But there's not a gray area. In Proverbs 16, 24, we're talking about the good. This verse says, Pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Now, I don't know if you've observed this, but if you've ever been around anybody that's doom, gloom, and talking bad about everybody, they don't seem very happy. They don't seem like they really care about life that much. Uh, and in some ways, not always, but sometimes they're just not very healthy people either. There's always something wrong with them. You know, well, my, back, my, my back aches or my knee hurts or whatever. And that happens to all of us as we get older, as I am. But they don't have a good outlook on life because they're, they're saying bad things about people. 
In Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. It's a pretty thing to look at. It's a pretty thing to hear. You know, it's, it's a good thing to hear something. You, you like a compliment. You like uh, someone to acknowledge you. You know, when I told you I work at a bank. Our big deal is customer service. We try to call people by name. People like to be called by their name. You like to be called by your name. There's a place in town that, that I go to get my oil changed. I never introduced myself to this gentleman. But like the second or third time I went down there and got my oil changed, he said, hey, Carrie, how are you doing today? Man, I like that. How did you know my name? I don't know, but he knew it. And it perked me up, and, it, and I liked it. And I keep going back to that guy because I liked hearing my name. Pleasant things are good. We as Christians should be pleasant in a world that's kind of doom and gloom right now. We need to be pleasant people, different. However, on the flip side, we can use our tongue for evil. Proverbs, again, verse, uh, chapter 29 and verse 20, Sis thou man that is hasty in his words, there's more hope of a fool than of him. Ever thought about that? Kind of harsh there, isn't it? Proverbs fifteen twenty six: The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. Or you could say the thoughts of the wicked are disgusting to the Lord. We don't want the Lord to think of us as disgusting, do we? Of course not. But then if you finish that verse out, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. We talk about free will a lot. We do have free will. We have free will of how we use our tongues and how we don't. And what's more important than anything, as I got to studying this, is you, we have to remember that we will, we're going to also be judged by how we use our tongues. We're going to be judged by what we say. Matthew 12, starting in verse 36, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words... Thou shalt be condemned. Well, how much plainer can it be than that? By our words, we'll be justified, or by our words, we'll be condemned. It's one or the other. Again, there's not a gray area. And so we should keep this in mind, how serious it is what we say in our world. Staying with Proverbs in chapter 18 and verse 21, the Bible reads, Death and life are the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So much of cotton farmers in here. If I give you cotton seed to plant, what's the chance of a grapevine coming up when you plant that cotton? Not very likely. Not likely at all. Because what you plant is what you get. What we say is going to be the fruit we get as well. 
in, uh, in Galatians 5, I'm going to read this from the New King James Version. Galatians 5, chapter, uh, or Galatians 5, uh, verses 19 through 22, says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we've read this, I'll read it again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Okay, there's five things that I pulled out of that that involve our speaking or our tongues and what we say. Some of these words, we don't use that often, but contentions. Contentions are arguments. Now you think about, you think about, let's just think about our political world for a second. Most every one of these I'm going to mention, you could think back about what people have been saying about one another during all this craziness. Contentions are arguments. Outbursts of wrath, that's violent expression. Dissensions, that is a conflict or discord. Heresies, that's contrary to the truth or doctrine. And reveries just simply means noisy, just, you know, just being crazy and yelling and screaming. Have you or I seen any of that the last few weeks? I've seen a bunch of it. And again, like that ball game. If I listen to too much of that, I can get involved in that. And I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. And you don't need to do that. Over in Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a retrograde mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, Murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, with, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure to them that do them. All these things, all these bad things, he says, are worthy of death. And these are bad things, aren't they? I mean, we, we read this and these are bad things. But there's one word I'll pull out of here. And we don't use that much either. And it's whispers. Lyle talked about that a little bit this morning. That's no more than gossiping. 
talking behind someone's back, saying something about them that we don't know that's true or not true, or we don't even have any business talking about it if we don't, uh, if, if we don't even have any business talking about someone behind their back at all. But especially if it's not a true statement, this is worthy of death as well. It says it in the Bible. I didn't say it. In 2 Timothy 2 and 24 and following, this is out of the New King James Version as well, it says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, patient and humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to, see their sense, come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. It says we must be not quarrel, but be gentle to all. What's all? That's everyone, isn't it? That's under my understanding. All means everyone. Yeah, but what if someone's talking bad about me? What if uh, they are gossiping about me, just we talked about? I never said, nor the, did God ever say, that it's easy to not strike back at someone. But it tells us we're to be gentle to all. So we should always be truthful as well, and we shouldn't lie. Colossians 3, starting in verse 8, says, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see, I think me as well as maybe yourself, maybe not, but sometimes I kind of forget that I was made in the image of God. But, you know, it says that in Genesis that we are and we were. And if we are, then we should try to be more like him. We know that we're not perfect and we can't be perfect. But we need to try. This said, um, and have put on the new man. If we are a baptized believer... We strive to do better than we did before we were a Christian. But we do fail at times. If we didn't, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. If we were perfect people, he wouldn't have died there. But we do make mistakes. But hopefully, if we are a Christian, we think about these things more than we would otherwise. Ephesians 5, and starting in verse 3 Again, we've got all these ugly things. But fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let not it be once named among you as, be, as become the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. How do we react? And, and, and hopefully you're not around this a lot. Depends on 
that, you know, who works with you and what their background is. But hopefully if we're around someone that tells jokes that are not nice, uses language that's not appropriate, hopefully we don't laugh at that joke, we don't go along with that joke, we don't condone that behavior. Because when we do, it's just as if we said that dirty joke ourselves. And again, we get into the hypocrisy thing, and we don't want that either. James 1.26, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. I don't want my religion to be vain. I don't think you want your religion to be vain. But again, example is so important. And people watch us very much. They, you don't even know they're watching you. They do. Uh, from afar, they watch you. You have no idea. But they see how you react to things. And we want to be on the side that if something is said bad about us, and we react in a good way towards that, we want them to say, well, they should have retaliated. Why didn't, they, why didn't they do something about it? Why did they react that way? Because God does things differently. Christians do things differently than the average man. If we want to set a good example and truly do as God asks, we're going to realize that lying... Gossiping, slandering, boasting, quarreling, filthy language, foolish talk, coarse jesting are all, these are all sin of speech and cannot go unrestrained. They have to be addressed. Because there are other ways to communicate, of course, these days, you know, it's not just me physically speaking. You know, there's texting, there's email, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and a lot of others I've never heard of that you may know about. And we can retaliate like that. And, and you know, that's just as dangerous because uh, it's like I tell uh, people at the bank. When someone calls up and, and they're disturbed or upset about their account, it's easier for them to say ugly things on the phone but when they're sitting across your, from your desk and looking you in the eye, they don't seem to have the same attitude as they had on the telephone because it's easier just to say things, just type it up and hit the send button and go on. But we have to remember, this is just like if we're speaking physically to them and we need to be aware of that. And last of all, and I think most importantly of all, we as members of the church should not bite and devour one another. You know, there's a lot of splits in congregations through the years that have happened because of that. You've had people not here. I'm just using this example. You might have someone sitting over here that absolutely won't talk to this person over here. But I don't think that's what God wants. We have to forgive and we have to be gentle, as we said earlier, with one another. Matthew 5, 22. But I say unto you, 
Jesus speaking, that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause should be in, shall be in danger of judgment, of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Raka just, it, it's a word that basically means worthless. It comes from a, it's derived from the, the root to spit. It's disgusting, isn't it? If you've ever seen anybody spit on somebody, that is like lowest, as they might say, lower than a snake's belly. That's the lowest of low you can go is spit on somebody. And yet, this is what this is saying. If we have quarrels with our brothers and won't speak to them, it'd be just like we're spitting on them. And we don't need to be like that as, as well. Robin and I were in Lubbock yesterday, and uh, Lubbock has to be one of my favorite places to drive. And you know I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> she has to get on to me because, you know, I'm the perfect driver, you know. So uh, people cut out in front of me. They don't turn on their turning signal. If they do turn it on, it's the wrong direction. You know, everybody does it wrong except me. And I'll call them something like a nod head or something like that. And that's not a word we think as a curse word or a, a word that's got God's name in it. It's not. But I sure still shouldn't call somebody a name. It's not right. Now, I don't know. I'm working on it. It may be hard for me to say, well, bless their heart. They just didn't know what they did. I don't know. <laughs> but I need to work on it. You know, because uh, you've heard of road rage. Where'd that come from? Well, somebody just let it build up and build up until one day they just went ballistic and did something wrong. So again, even if they can't hear me, I don't need to act like that. In 1 Peter 2 and 9, I don't have this up on the PowerPoint, but that scripture says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should show forth praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to be a peculiar people. Someone that's different. Someone that doesn't, doesn't react like the world does. And then someone may say, why are they acting like that? Maybe they'll come ask us. Maybe we'll tell them why we act like we do. Because God's part of our life. We can tell them about Jesus and we can, it'd be a good starting point. But again, the example is there and we need to set the right one. What are you saying? What am I saying? I can't answer for you and you can't answer for me. But like Lyle said this morning, we, we know ourselves better than anybody else. So you can only answer that question. I can't answer it. Angry words. Oh, let them never from the tongue unbridled slip. You may have hurt somebody by what you said. If you did, you need to go talk to them and tell them you're sorry. Maybe you need prayer about that. It's not easy to do those things. It's hard to do those things. And the devil's right there saying, don't do it. Don't do it. 
But maybe you need to take care of that if you have that problem. Maybe tonight you, uh, you've been studying and you realize that you are not a child of God because you haven't done as, as you've been commanded to do. And we have a baptistry back here and it's ready to go. And this would be a good night if you've studied sufficient and you understand what that means. But if you have any needs tonight, well, we'd invite you to come as we stand and sing the song of invitation.